I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. by ESPN a few years ago determined that it's almost impossible to even quantify how many kids are actually playing. By the best estimates, somewhere between 21.5 million and 28, 29 million kids. And they said that's probably low because those numbers are just kids ages six and up. And lots of kids start before that. As a mom of four boys who have played everything from soccer to basketball to baseball to golf and I am sure I'm forgetting a few sports in here football we also had football and I'm talking about the sports that require a lot of parent participation a lot of butt in the bleacher kind of thing the kind of thing that there's a love hate often for parents we parents want our kids to develop skills and friendships and character. And on the flip side, sometimes we worry about what kids are exposed to. We worry about the coaching. We worry about injuries. We worry if this is a net positive for our kids or not. So today we have with us two coaches, two dads, who I believe are also neighbors. And these guys coached a flag football team together in the fall, and I love this. They told us that they are likely the only team that danced the can-can on the sideline <laughs> and let their players call the plays in the huddle. Welcome. We have Jeff Lott and Jacob Danner. Please say hi, guys. Good morning. Hi. Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself first, just you know, quickly. How did you get into coaching? How old are your kids, et cetera? I have two kids. I have two sons. And uh, I got into coaching when my oldest son was about three years old. Uh, when he first signed up for T-ball, literally the way I did it was 
uh, all the parents and all their kids were standing around the backstop and all the kids were standing there with their baseball mitts all staring at each other. And nobody had stepped forward to try and organize what it was that the kids were supposed to do. So they're kind of rolling balls back and forth to their kids. So I just said, okay, uh, guys, how about this? So we split it up into smaller groups and we had just a couple of groups doing basic skills. And one of the lessons that I had learned at that point was whatever, however old the kid is, is however, how many words you use to instruct them. So if they're three, you use three words. Nice. Uh, eye on the ball, keep your arm ups, things like that. I know that's four, but that's my math for right now. <laughs> and it just kind of went forward from there. I found I really enjoyed coaching. I really enjoyed organizing uh, the practices. It was very easy to talk with the parents about here's what we want, what we want to try. And just talking with the kids was a lot of fun too. So, so yeah, that was when they were three. And now uh, my kids are nine and seven and coach them both in, in a couple of sports and just really enjoy interacting with them, interacting with their friends and their teammates and the parents that do it. So that's kind of how I got into it and stuck with it. Nice. How about you, Jacob? So right after high school, I came back and coached wrestling in my old high school team just because I love the sport. I think about five years or so ago, uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, I'm coaching at a high school. Why don't you come help us out? I didn't realize it was the time at the time it was, uh, hey, we've got this uh, state caliber level athlete and uh, he's beating everybody up. So come in and, and get your get your knocks in and, and save some of the other coaches. Um, I really liked the sport of wrestling. Uh, and as I got older, I realized it wasn't about technique or skills. It was the, the values that sports teach you. Uh, wrestling can, it's a team individual sport. So you need your teammates there to help you get better and you have to get them better. But then you go out and you compete on your own. Uh, it's you against one other guy and you're really tested in that. Uh, so I, there was like a 10 year hiatus between coaching uh, and when I came back, I the Dory Hamilton, who's uh, coaching at a different high school now, um, I saw how he was interacting with the kids, and I realized that coaching is less about technique and skills and more about getting the kids and the athletes to buy into trying to do their best. Uh, and since then, um, I've I've uh, coached a, a successful middle school team. Uh, we won some district championships. All of this is to get my kids into it. I've got a daughter who's six this last season. I brought her out to one of the middle school practices and she took down an eighth grader and was holding her own. And, and uh, you know, I'm just big proud dad moment there. Uh, and I've got a son who's nine and a competitive gymnast. Uh, and so he's training all the time. And when he's ready for a different sport, uh, you know, I'm hoping that he will see wrestling as, hey, let's go try this other opportunity. Let's talk about age to start. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up and likely when you guys were growing up, sports tended to start maybe upper elementary school, maybe middle school. There might have been a little bit of rec stuff before that. And now there is such intense pressure for kids to start so early. And there are even, you know, traveling teams for third graders. So I am really curious, based on your experiences as coaches and as dads, what you think about that. Early on, I think it really comes back to what the parents, the messaging in the household. I think that's where it all starts. I have a big 
philosophy of almost anything in life that you have to work kind of inside out and whatever the parents messaging about athletics and about sports happens to be within that house and to that their kid who's going to be an athlete if they're playing sports not necessarily saying that they're going to be the best kid on the field that's that's a very rare opportunity or a very rare kid who shows up and on day one is just the best but i think that amount of pressure that a child might feel can either be mitigated by what the parents are telling them to do when they leave and when they get onto that field, or it can be amped up to a point where the child may start to get burnout at an early age. Mm-hmm. And that messaging of one of the things that I came up with a couple of years ago for our soccer team was the acronym of EAT, E-A-T, and bringing out your best effort, your best attitude, and the best teamwork. And trying to keep it really simple for those kids. And that's also something that we really try to evangelize to the parents. Like these are the things that we want to see out of your kid. We don't, we don't need every kid to go out and score a touchdown. We don't need everybody to be able to throw a ball 40 yards at the age of eight. What we want to see are these values of, are you trying your best? Are you going to work to get a little bit better every time that you get on and off a practice field? Are you being a good teammate? And also showing those kids what it means to give your best effort, what a good attitude is, even if you're dealing with adversity on the field and you're not doing that well. It's okay at this age to not win every single game. Um, as coaches, you know, as rec league coaches especially, there's no money in it. We're not going to – we haven't <laughs> had any TV cameras. There have been Wait. scholarship offers. Yet. You are not doing this to get rich? Is this what you're telling me? <laughs> That's the long-term plan. <laughs> I get some free socks out of it. We get these really highly unflattering shirts that we have to wear. There you go. The big coach on it. And that, like, that's the biggest honor for me is like, oh, I get to be the coach. But, but going back to your question, like, if, if, if the parents and the organization show up very early in the kid's life saying the whole intent of you coming out here and putting on these shoes and putting on this uniform is so that you can win and be the absolute best without addressing things like, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Are you, do you want to go back to practice? Do you want to play for that coach next season? If those things aren't being addressed, then I think it, you're, the kids are going to burn out very early. And they've even said in the past 10 years, kids used to quit sports around the age of 14 because they quit being fun. That age now has dropped to 11. Mm. Those are very formative years, physically, psychologically, and especially physiologically and mentally for those kids. So that's all well and good. But I, one of the questions that has come up in our Boys Alive Facebook group is the child who is participating in a sport or this particular um, mom's son was in a rock climbing camp Mm. and the coach was not like you Jeff and Jacob that are understanding and the EAT and all of that this coach is is kind of harsh in his manner and this child is kind of sensitive he's 12 and he wants to quit so you know there's two camps I know of like no you've signed up and you have to stick with it till the end or do you let them bow out mid-season? What are your thoughts on that? If the coach isn't displaying the values that you think are important, 
I would wholeheartedly let them quit. If you want your child to succeed in that sport, then make sure that they have a good experience in uh, changing the game. They talk about, uh, it's a, it was a coaching book, but it, they talk about how all this money that parents spend you know, at, at these young ages to get their kids to an elite level rarely pays off. I think it's, you know, one or 2% end up getting a scholarship. And if you just save that money and uh, you could afford to pay for college for them. Uh, so if, if this mom wants her kid to love rock climbing, then find a coach who, who has these values. Uh, you know, I, I don't know much about Jeff's high school and college career, but, uh, coaches back in our day there was I think there was a lot more yelling mm -hmm. uh, and you just kind of had to deal with it and, and everything like that but you know studies have shown that that's not the most effective way to do things anymore yeah. uh, but not everybody is is going out to try and better themselves and learn the right way to do things and if this coach is not changing their behavior and you see it as a detriment to your kid being passionate about something then yeah I, I would let them step away from it uh, that doesn't mean like if you want them to enjoy rock climbing maybe you find a different rock climbing gym or you go out with your kid and just do some bouldering or or something like that that doesn't mean quit the sport it means find a a more positive sport to to encourage your kid the experience that the kid is having at that age is far more important to them wanting to stick with whatever sport it is a couple years ago, my older son uh, had signed up for baseball, and we got uh, a coach. We got the screaming football coach as his baseball coach. Mm -hmm. And at first, I thought it was kind of an anomaly. I mean, it's it's totally okay for a coach to be able to share some intensity at whatever age. Mm -hmm. But if the kids aren't having fun and you're going through practices and you just see them standing there and they're not really involved because a coach or two coaches are – focusing all of their energy with just one or two little groups, well, then you're wasting that kid's time. You're wasting your time as a parent. Um, I think that, as Jacob said, there's you can go out and still be able to play that sport in a much more fun and developmental way. Um, we ended up leaving that team because the it just was a bad experience for the coach. My son was just not having any fun whatsoever. And at the same time, like we had, I was telling him, like, you're – you will have coaches who are not the most fun to play for as you do sports. Up until that, I would rather that we're working on your effort. We're working on uh, here are ways that you can have fun and be respectful to your coaching staff and your teammates at the same time. But yeah, you're, you're going to have coaches that aren't great. And like Jacob said, if, if the kid's not having a good experience, then if they want to stick with that sport or that activity, getting them away from that coach is probably better than just saying, I ah, just quit and we'll figure it out in six months. And one of the questions this mom asked is, should she be reaching out to that coach and saying and giving that coach some feedback? Or do you just kind of throw up your hands and walk away and go, oh, well, that's his style and I'm not going to change it? How do you feel about that parent to coach connection? So my wife has taught me uh, and kids have taught me you you can only control yourself. Uh, you can't make anyone change. And so if you think that, oh, if I provide feedback to this coach and they're just going to all of a sudden 
you know, 180 and now they're everything you want. I don't know that it works. You're, you're welcome to uh, let the coach know this is why, and maybe they'll want to change, but I don't think going in and expecting the coach to change if they're not already seeing they need to change. Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, I, I think, you know, doing stuff like that and then continuing with the same coach uh, if the coach has already got these these kind of poor behavior practices and, and stuff that you don't like, all it's going to do is kind of single your kid out mm-hmm. in, in, oh, now I now they're a unique snowflake and, and I need to treat them as such. And I, I don't know that that'll pay off long term. Mm-hmm. And then kind of parallel to that, um, when I started a couple years ago coaching, we had a couple of kids on a soccer team who were uh, even who just, there's no way to say it any other way. They have ADHD. You're going to get kids who have certain situations that they come with. And as a coach, and I think especially as a parent, if you can kind of work with the coach early on and say, all right, I want you to know, these are some things about my kid that I just to kind of keep an eye on. And here's how we mitigate. And here's how we work with them on that. Now, as a dad and as a coach, um, being aware of that, it, I think parents should be able to definitely talk with a coach, even at a, even at the rec league. We know we're volunteer; we're not making money. This isn't our job. But some of the rec league coaches can have an ego or to a certain mm-hmm. level of being like, "Don't tell me how to do this." Mm-hmm. So I would say, uh, as a parent, kind of keep your eyes and ears open for what kind of coach am I putting my kid with, and don't be afraid to, to talk to that coach very early to be able to say, hey, uh, if there's something that, you know, hey, there are some kids who are just going to be more competitive. They're going to be a little more physical. They're going to be a little more aggressive. And not because they're bad kids. It's just in their nature, especially when you're coaching boys. They're just more physically, they're more willing to bump into each other and slam into each other. And every kid's going to react differently to that. So, yeah, Jeff, Jeff brings up a good a really good point here um in coaching middle school uh wrestling tends to be a great sport for kids who have kind of some they're dealing with some stuff internally right it's a good physical sport and everything um there was a a grandma whose whose uh grandson came to was joining the the middle school team and she had emailed me ahead of time uh he's got this stuff going on at home he will shut down if if this sort of thing happens, it was great to know that in advance because day two of practice, he just like, he had a great first practice and he just expected it's only going to go up. Well, he second day of practice, we're just starting the skill and he's over there crying. And because that grandma had communicated with me, I knew, okay, this is how we should handle this sort of thing. This is, you know, we've got to talk him down. And it was a great opportunity to kind of, bring the rest of the kids around because if one kid is struggling other kids are probably just struggling in silence and so we you know we we pulled out the whiteboard and we said you know learning actually looks more like this you're going to go up and then you're going to go down but then when you come back up it's going to go it's going to go even higher but if you quit at any point you're never going to get any better uh and if you want to get better we just have to kind of take take things through their their course and uh, and so, you know, what Jeff said is, yes, if you can communicate kind of some specialties of your kid, uh, some special things that they need to thrive, uh, that's do it before, nice. uh, you know, because it, it really can help 
your coach's interaction. So. I like that proactive approach. One of the things I've struggled with as a parent, and I know others do as well, is I live in a small community. It's not like there are a lot of options. There's usually one team that does this and one that does that. So if you, if and the coaches were dependent on parents often to step up and you, you get what you get. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, Use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com 
for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash on boys. Winona, menopause care made easy. So helping children handle and cope with personality conflicts with coaches is a definite challenge. It hasn't been what I would consider overtly harmful to my children, but there are times when they have been exposed to attitudes and thoughts that aren't exactly what I want to facilitate in them. So I love the approach you guys are talking about, but the flip side, there are still coaches who will yell at, you know, a young five-year-old baseball player, you know, man up and no tears in baseball. What's your thought on how parents can help support kids without undermining coaches and, and navigating all of that? I think the, the first place it starts again is at home. And then very close to that is understanding what the message of the organization of the sport is doing. So like, what, what is the league? What is the administration's message about the sport that these kids are involved in? Um, this past, the past couple of years, uh, Jacob and I have coached flag football with I-9 sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and they, they, they haven't paid they us to do this. They do a great <laughs> job of, they, they set the tone in, yeah. in advance of positive coaching. Yeah. Uh, positive coaching. They reinforce it with what you're really working on here, kids, is trying to master skills and trying to be really good teammates. They have, uh, at the end of every game, there's usually, there's a sportsmanship value that they hand, we hand out a medal for. For you know, hey, who is who is the most accountable this week? You know, which which of our players said, um, "I'm going to work on this particular skill." Or we had one game where, and I think on the second play, uh, the our opponent ran just a great little run, had a great little pass. He got past our defender, took it all the way for a touchdown. And I just asked him, I was like, "Okay, what did you see?" And he said right back to me, "He's like, oh, I I got too far inside." He got outside of me and I couldn't get home. Like, okay, so so now you know what that looked like. What would you do differently? He said, well, I'll just stay a little bit closer to him and try and get him to go back inside. The next time that they ran that play, he jumped across the line of scrimmage and batted the ball down. And he looked at me with that look on his face like, I got it, coach. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, what a moment. So it's so it goes back to, you know, how do we how do we work with the coaches? If if you have a coach who's just just a loud mouth and for whatever reason they think that how this team is playing on the field is a direct extension or expression of whether or not this is a good coach mm-hmm. i would i always ask for feedback from parents throughout the season tell me if your kid's not having fun uh is there something that's going on send me a direct email here's my number send me a text because i i want those kids to keep coming back for them not for me i like i said there's you know we don't get we don't get to re-sign a contract or anything for it. <laughs> as long as um, the parents, it's okay to be proactive. And if you think that, if any parent thinks that they're going to be the first parent to talk to that coach that season about their child or about the coach's behavior, um, they won't be. Uh, or they might be the first one, but they're going to be the one who can maybe finally break through and wake the coach up. Be like, oh, maybe I am being too loud. Maybe I am being a little bit too uh forceful or too advanced in some of the feedback that I'm giving the, my, my players because sometimes that's all it takes is one parent to say, hey, 
I think the team's going in a good direction. I think we're really got a talented squad, but I know that, you know, I've seen some of the kids that kind of shy away when you raise your voice and things like that. So, you know, just, and you, and you can even take the coach part out of it and just say, Hey, parent to parent. Um, my kid doesn't really react well when you scream at us mm-hmm. and just, you know, the coach has to figure it out. But again, you know, what is the, and the organization, like I said, the two that I work with uh, between flag football and soccer are really work hard to evangelize the entire I- ideas of, of positive coaching that we're building uh, confidence in these kids uh, mentally. And we're, we're far more in, interested in what kind of, people are walking off the field and how good these players are. If, if you're in rec league, you know, this is to go out and have fun and learn that sport and learn the basics of teamwork and, and those skills. There's, there are no scholarships at the nine-year-old level. What are some of the things that parents can do at home, at games, to and from, to facilitate and make this a positive experience for their kids? versus some of the things that parents should not be doing that could, they may be well-meaning, but they could inadvertently be making this kind of a miserable experience. From a coaching perspective, it's important that the coach lays the ground rules and talks about what kind of philosophy they want on the team, because there are parents who want to get involved uh, proactively, and there are parents who kind of get wrangled in. And if the coach has set the expectation of, this is how we talk to our team, it will set the tone that these things aren't acceptable. In my middle school parent info night, I lay all this stuff out. I've got a slide that says, I want you on the team, but you have to understand our rules. Uh, you understand what we're going for. These are how we talk. This is how we talk to the kids. And also, you don't coach your own kids. And so to, to answer your own point, um, or your own question, I think I think too many parents today take their kids' success or losses personally, mm-hmm. uh, right? You're trying to teach your child to grow and be their own person. And so when they come off the field with a win, you have to be happy for them. You didn't win, your child did. Two or three years ago, um, I was sitting on a bench watching our, our team uh, wrestle, uh, and a, a JV wrestler came off the bench, not on our team, from some other team. And he sat next to his dad, and I heard him say, his dad say to him, after he had just suffered a loss, that was the worst I've ever seen you wrestle. I don't even know why you do this sport. When a parent can say something like that to a kid, all they're doing is you know that they care too much about their kid's success for themselves. After a game, ask your kid, how, how were the snacks? Did you get thirsty? Nothing related to the performance. When they bring up the performance, then you just listen. You don't need to critique like, oh, you, if you had cut harder on this, this play or ran this route this different way, right? You don't need to worry about that. I think, um, you know, like one of the things we did on our, our flag football team was um, when an athlete would run a route, get a pass thrown to them, and they would drop it instead of yelling anything negative to them. We yelled things like, hey, great route. Yep. Uh, these focus on what they did positively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what happens if you, if you, oh, man, you drop that pass, we're never going to throw to you again. Next time, next time the kid does get the pass, he's going to be doubting himself. 
right? Rather than, okay, I, I, I already have great routes to run. I'm really good at route running. Now I just need to work on work on these little things. Um, with, with my son being on the team, uh, the second game, uh, at that point he had had zero tackles in any season, zero catches in any season. An hour before we left for the game, he says, Dad, I really want to play defense because I need to get better at flag pulling. And at that point, I knew that he was starting to think about his own performance. Whereas if I had, you know, from first game, man, you, you should have just got in there and, and pulled that flag and been more aggressive and all that kind of stuff. As soon as you can start getting the, your athlete, your kids to want to do better, um, I, I think you'll be better off. But a lot of times the kids know what they're doing wrong. Let them come to you when they're ready to receive some critiques or some help rather than force it on them right away, right after the game. Do you have any tips on how to handle kids who are too hard on themselves? Uh, my now 18-year-old, it was great when he got his driver's license because at least he could drive himself home from baseball games instead mm. of us all having to deal with his uh, upset. Uh, and, <laughs> and often it wasn't that he'd done anything terrible, but he wasn't playing up to his own standards. You know, the kid who is upset because he didn't get a hit or he missed a catch and it was a hard catch. How do you help a boy like that? Both of my kids have a different way of kind of critiquing themselves. My older one's a little more positive, like, well, here's here's what I think I did really well, but this week, can we go do, you know, can we, can we work on catching or can we work on, you know, my traps and soccer and my passing and things like that? Like, yeah, absolutely. And then my younger son is, he's just like, it's the end of the world. And I can't believe, even if he had had a, a long run for, he had a couple long runs, he's just a really quick little guy for touchdowns and flag football. And all he could think of was, you know, he got caught on one of them because, you know, he tripped a little bit and slowed down and something like, well, let's, let's focus on what, what you did really well. And I, one of the things we had a, another kid on a soccer team last year who, um, would get really down on himself if a goal got scored and when he, when he was playing defense. He's like, well, wh what do you think you did right? Tell me what you think you did right. And mm. if he couldn't come up with something, like, well, here's what you did. Like, let's focus on what you did correctly. Now, where do you think that you fell off? Or what, you know, what, did, what do you think you need to work on to keep it a little bit uh, more on the rails next time? So really switching <laughs> it around to the positive and yeah. They can't see that he's yeah. completely locked into what he did wrong. So absolutely, yeah. good reflection back to him. Maybe not exactly right after the game. Right, that's one thing I learned with that kid of mine in particular. When he's upset, you just give him time and space yeah. because there's nothing you can say or do at that point that's going to make anything better. You can make it worse by, yeah. you know, looking at him, touching him, or breathing sometimes, but. <laughs> You're not going to make it better at that moment. And especially for younger athletes, there's, uh, I think, uh, I-9 preaches this. This is the first time I had seen it in a couple other organizations. But they have something called the parking lot rule where you don't, you can talk about what happened in the game for as long as you're in the parking lot. And when you're out, you're done talking about the game. That's it. You, you, like, leave it alone. Nice. you don't bring it up for, and, and some teams even have like the 24-hour rule. We don't talk about this until tomorrow. Nice. Once we've had time to feel whatever way we want to feel about it. And maybe that's a little bit for, for even older kids. And, and I think maybe I'm speaking, this speaks to parents as well as, as coaches mm -hmm. too. Um, 
as Jacob was saying earlier, it's, it's, you know, Hey, when we're doing this, your players play coaches, coach and parents cheer. That's, those are the roles that you have to do. If, if the parents want all of the other planning and pressure and responsibilities of taking care of the development and enjoyment of eight to 14 other children, um, then, Hey, go ahead and sign up, go through the background check, take all the online training, go to all the meetings, handle the snack list, send out all the emails, talk to the parents on a weekly and sometimes daily basis about how their kids are doing. If you want to do that as the coach, then you can come across and, and help us out. But otherwise, you know, just go and enjoy the game, throw down your camp chair, pour whatever you want into your coffee mug on a cold Saturday morning and just enjoy watching your kid grow up and have fun on this playing field. How can people get in touch with you? Jeff, I know we ran across you on Twitter. So if you want to share your Twitter handle or social media, if you have a website, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Sure. Um, my Twitter handle is G-L-O-T-T-R-U-L-E-S, G-Lot Rules, or I do have a website, uh, G-Lot Comedy. I also have another career as a stand-up comedian. So oh, we haven't even person. touched on that yet. Wow. <laughs> Well, hopefully uh, websites like Building Boys uh, will provide the kind of parenting where the kids don't have to go into stand-up comedy later in life. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it right. Baby. Oh, we could yep. go in so many directions with that, Jeff, but I'm just going to let that one slide. Jacob, how can people find you? Jacob.danner at gmail.com is my email. Uh, I also blog about uh, some non-screen activities I do with my kids at uh, rainydaydad.com. I started it so that I could get more dads to engage with their kids in easier ways because uh, my my wife is amazing uh, and I, I love everything she does with her kids uh, but sometimes being the dad you get to have and do the fun things I so appreciate what you guys do anybody who like you said wants to spend time with 14 little ones trying to keep them organized in a dugout or on the sideline and trying to teach them something you have my utmost respect thank you gentlemen thank you. thank you for what you do for boys thanks for joining us we are jennifer lw fink and janet allison and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.